Yo, special edition of you, good fam. Oh man, man, this is this is super exciting, super exciting, man, to build with my peoples, man. This is this is a family affair right here, man. This is a family uh, affair right here. This is good. True that. You know, salute, salute, man, salute, man. Like, salute to all the things that you've been doing for the city. You know, like music wise, community wise. I know that we're going to get into it, man. So I'm excited. Big up to everyone pulling up, man. Wild, man, wild. Yo, this is a special edition of You Good Fam. We usually have our check-ins on Mondays, but, yo, man, we got some special guests that are doing amazing things, and, you know, I love to build with the real, so it's very exciting to, to have this opportunity right now to build the people them. So for those who don't know, man, when we start off, we usually start off with the check-in. We like to know how people are doing, you know what I mean? So if you want to let us know how you're all feeling on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being not so great, 10 being amazing, that would be super fantastic, man, so... I don't know, like who who would like to set it off for us? Who's setting it off? <laughs> Jermaine, you set it off, Jermaine. I can't complain, man. I'm feeling good today. Um, I wasn't feeling good earlier, but Jonas knows my whole talk about the full moon and how it affects the body. So, you know, it's one of those days today. So I'm feeling good, man. I can't complain. Can't complain. That's peace. That's peace. And on a scale from one to ten, what, what would you say you're at? Um I'm at a good six. All right, all right, okay. Well, yo, man, let's let, let's pass that over, man, to 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 the big homie Forty, man. What's going on, brother? Oh man, logic. I'm blessed today, my brother. I, I'm uh, today's my like first day of what feels like a full recovery from COVID. So today, I'm, I I feel like I'm on ten today. I mean, I'm not really right. my realities. I'm probably like a seven at best, and I need to like keep myself in check as I like get back on my right. feet but you know i, I feel i feel I, well, i'm not gonna front i feel great today because it's the first day i felt great in like what feels like a month so okay well, well good day. definitely glad glad to hear that man wishing your speedy recovery definitely you know self-care is a must you know i know you're someone's always always in the mix doing something man so make sure that you know self-care is, is a priority yeah, yeah i'm trying man. my best right now that's what's up that's what's up man yo brother Jonas, man what's going on homie no i'm doing good man uh Scale one to ten, I'm ten. I'm always ten. Oh, you're up, man. You're up. I'm always ten. I'm always happy. As long Yo. as I'm causing trouble. Yeah. Yes. Stirring the pot, man. Those agitators, man. Those agitators. Yeah, Yotis holds that ten for both me and Jermaine. So. All right. He balances it out. I balance it out. That's peace, man. That's peace, man. Well, yo, me, I'm, I'm definitely out of ten, man. Today has been like a real productive day. Um. I'm in this like like virtual reality uh, film course, you know, like augmented reality and immersive reality. And and Young Guru was like one of the guest speakers today, man. So he's like oh, deep in the game, man. And it was it was a vibe, you know. So my brain is just going off right now. So I'm I'm hype. And then now I'm here with you all, man. So like my energy is just like I'm charged up, man. I'm charged up, ready to get into it, man. So that's what's up, man. But yo, um, big up to everyone who's pulling up, man. My name is Logic. I'm the founder of Stolen from Africa. Stolen from Africa is a black arts education organization here in Toronto. Been doing a lot of stuff in community for, for quite some time, man. Going back to like 2004, nonstop. Uh, we focus on cultural and historical awareness of Africa, the African diaspora, and we work primarily with youth, marginalized youth in schools, in community. And yo, we just try to make something happen, man. Our whole motto is you know, connect, inspire, activate. And that's what we're here to do, here to build. And yo, like, I'm just happy to have Justice Fund here. You know, from the moment I heard about the movement and the things that you guys have been doing and, and like the consistency, I'm like, yo, man, there's some there's some, some momentum going on here. 
you know? So we definitely want to get into that. Um, but before we get into, you know, the, the whole movement, why, why don't we just get into a bit about you yourselves? You know, like Jermaine, I know personally for many years, like we've worked in schools and whatnot, and, and you have some like connections to community. So, so maybe let, let, let's start with like our, our connections to, to community and then we'll go into like the creation of the Justice Fund. Because I, I feel like people, you know, need to understand that like this isn't something new. You know, like like forty man, he's he's been connected to the Remix Project for time. You know what I mean? So him him doing stuff in community is not, ain't nothing new. So I know we want to get into it, but go ahead, brothers. Um, well, I'll start off. Um, I'm Jermaine. Um, <laughs> Hold on, Jermaine. One sec, one sec, one sec. What's up? Yo, tell the dog to forward, man. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a child at some like, point. Yo. It was in, both. Man. It was a little bit of my stomach and mostly the dog, but okay. uh, a bit of both. Um, Yo, I can start. While, I can start while these guys go off. Um, right, I'm right. good. I'm back. We're back. We're back. Yeah. I I started off with. Um, yo, grew up in Toronto. Uh, grew up in the downtown area. Grew up in Regent Park. Born and raised in Regent Park. Like I say, from 1975 to I was about 25 years old. I lived in the region. Always been a part of Regent, worked in Regent. I was a youth worker for about eight years at an educational program. That's where I met Logic, over mm -hmm. at one of the high schools I was working at, and we did some workshops together and stuff. Um, I've always been a part of the community. I've always been, like, my elders were the, were the dudes that used to be, you know, hanging on the block that some of the young guys like myself used to look up to. And, you know, I've always tried to try to fill that role of wisdom, that, that lack of, you know, it wasn't real mentorship, but there was mentorship where, you know, it was a different generation back then. So I try to maintain maintain that within my community. But I've done a lot of roles. I've done everything from, you know, working in the community centers in the games rooms to being a janitor to uh, working in a homeless shelter and learning, being a harm reduction worker for eight years and then working with, in, within the community in an educational program. So... I've done a lot of stuff and I've seen a lot of stuff. Like I like to tell people, the only thing I'm missing on my resume right now is working with the senior population. So <laughs> but, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a student of the hard, um, hard knocks. I am also um, educated by experience. Mm, love that, man. Love that. Well, I, I appreciate the work, man. You've been like consistent, you know, like in the scene, man. Like shout out Regent Park, man. I remember seeing some cameos and those throwback point blank videos and all that, you know what I'm saying? So, so shout out, man. Big up, big up. Thanks, yeah, man. But yo, I'll just pass it over to, to, to Brother 40, you know. Um, I know you've been doing like a lot in the music scene, but yo, you have some foundations in community, man. So why don't you let other people know about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody obviously knows me through music and and my journey in that space. But, you know, I grew up in the city downtown and between High Park and Parkdale and in and around that neighborhood. And so from when I was about 17 or 18, I was working and running a, a studio in Missouri Cowan with my, my brother Dell and for unity. So like that was my first sort of involvement in like running studios in wow. community and seeing their direct impact and what that meant and a place to go and, and, and having equipment available and accessible. And, you know, my background, my mentor is gadget and he's the guy who taught me how to mix and is actually a mixer on a lot of Drake's catalog and, and a legend in his own right, obviously. And like 
from my perspective, uh, perspective in a lot of ways, he's like the grandfather of hip hop in Toronto, you know, but Gadget's thing was like giving gear out, like in the hood specifically, like he had equipment everywhere and every once in a while he'd go on a like a rampage, we're like, oh, where's my NPCs and call so-and-so <laughs> from Point Blank and call this guy and that guy and where's Citizen Kane and I gave him an ASR 20 years ago, they owe me this and that. But like, he, and so as much oh, as like yeah. he'd go off sometimes, it was just funny like how involved the community was and giving back from a perspective of music. So even like my mentor, that's who he was and, <clears throat> and that's sort of where I come from. And my first real chance I ever got in life was working at the Remix Project and, and having that having that job there when, you know, I was sort of down and out and recovering from getting out of the hospital with multiple sclerosis and, mm -hmm. and had nowhere to turn. And it was like, oh my God, I can make money and, and survive at least while making music. Like this is insane. And that's the first time I'd ever had that opportunity. And that's really what put me in a position to continue with my music career. But I often refer to the remix as being like the most fulfilling time in my life and something I've been chasing after ever since, even though, you know, me and Drake have obviously been so successful, like those times were, were so important to me. So, you know, that's sort of my story being involved in that space and why it's something that I'm so passionate about, about now and prioritize now in my, in my daily life, so. Yeah, no, that, that's powerful, man. Like, you know, we're still from after we, we, we draw on this like African word called Sankofa. It's from the Aiken tribe in Ghana. And what it means is like, you know, it's not taboo to go back and collect what you may have forgotten. So it seems like you have this like full circle, like you're coming back to like your, your roots, travel the world, you know, ran laps, and now now you're, you're coming back to the community, man. So that, that's beautiful. And that's crazy that you have a connection with um with Four Unity as well because like I'm not from Parkdale but I spent a lot of time in Parkdale back in the day and Four Unity was a nice little hub until like the studio got robbed and whatever but anyways it was, it was, <laughs> no, I was there for a couple of years like that was like that was like a, I, I always remember like my first ever synthesizer that I like got at Christmas when I was like 12 or 13 which is like how I like learned how to like program MIDI for the first time and like all of that type of stuff. Like I, I, I left that there at the studio like years and years and you always think about it. Like if it was still up there and I would I pass by Missouri every once in a while, but like, what's going on up there, you know? And that's actually how I, I got to the, the mobile studios that I'm building now is from experience. I had like stopping mm. by Missouri and having a conversation with them there. So well, that's, that's beautiful. Well, we'll definitely get into like the mobile studios in, in, in a bit, man. I also got a shout out, you know, Gavin Shepard, man. That's, that's my homie right there. You know, remix project, all the people, shout out Rich Kim, everybody who's, who's doing the remix, you know what I mean? Right now and carrying right. the torch and whatnot. But yo, um, Jonas brother, I see you in the, in, in the corner there. Yeah, man. No, why don't you um yeah, like take care of the puppy for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying it now. Share a bit about your connection to like community and you know where the the roots of your passion. Yeah, uh, I've been in the not for profit sector my whole life, and I know I look young, but that's because black don't crack. <laughs> um, most of it has been in you know working with frontline organizations. My background is in international development, so I used to work overseas and refugee camps and whatnot, but. Here in Toronto, uh, I'm from Weston, which is the second poorest neighborhood in the city of Toronto. When we talk about violence or lack of affordable housing or lack of, you know, food insecurity, a lot of that can be found in Weston Road, right? Um, and I'm at this weird intersection of politics, government relations, philanthropy and charity, frontline organizations. Uh, so, like, you know, all the boards I sit on, all the community organizations that we support, uh, a lot of that is rooted in my love for Western Road, right? Mm -hmm. um, my love for my community, uh, 
particularly Somali mothers in Western Road who raised us, who built us, who supported us. Uh, so everything I do is rooted in Western Road. I love that, man. I love that. Like everyone has like a, a foundation in in community, and and I feel like this type of work like requires that type of like passion. Like nobody gets into this work thinking that like, hey, man, we want to get rich off this or whatever. It's because we feel something in our soul and we want to contribute to something greater. You know what I mean? So I, I just always love to kind of like set the stage like that so people can really understand that like, yo, this is this is deep. Like it, it, it's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? So that being said, I mean this. You know, like the three of you came together to to found, you know, create the Justice Fund. Like, why don't you talk about like how that even came about? Like, how did y'all connect? And what was like, I guess, like the inspiration behind the Justice Fund? That's a good one. Everybody just looks at like, long. long. Oh, that's no. my favorite. I want to give credit to Jermaine. Uh, so uh, obviously Jermaine is the the intersection of both me and Noah, how this organization came together, it was all rooted in Jermaine. Um, from me harassing Jermaine outside of Daniel's spectrum to talk about all the work that we we need to do for our city, um, being connected to Noah, and then having a conversation with Noah and Jermaine, um, being pushed by Jermaine uh, to set up something that we can ensure that addresses the immediate needs of youth, particularly youth in conflict and law in the city of Toronto, but also has a vision to ensure that, you know, on the long term, um, we're building in uh, a, a, an organization that is not going to fall into the same pitfalls that other charitable organizations are doing, right? Mm. Our work is rooted in settler philanthropy, right? Our work is rooted in exploitation and extraction of Black and Indigenous communities. So establishing Justice Fund is to ensure that, you know, we don't copy those same mistakes. We do something new. We write a new path forward. Um, and it really is straight up it's using Jermaine's frontline work mm -hmm. uh my connections within the philanthropic space and Noah's visibility right and, mm -hmm. and passion and love for the city right like bringing all three of those things together uh is allowing us to accomplish this work that's incredible yo that that sounds like a, a real like like Voltron they all just coming together and just everybody has their, their that is the Voltron though <laughs> right there like you just explained it perfectly you know yeah. like, he explained it so perfect and it's simple. Like we try to break away from everything that's so-called traditional and do our non-traditional way of doing business. Um, and exactly what he said, we're, we're, we're alike in so much ways that we come from community, we feel it. But I think we're now in the position to have a seat at the table and actually have those discussions with the people, right? Nobody's no longer... You're no longer hiring executive director. Like the CEO for Justice Fund is Jonas. He's not a guy who went to school and got a master's and now is working on his PhD while he's the CEO. He's a guy that understands the business and he's putting his mouth, he's, he's putting, you know, he's working to make a better city for all our communities, right? And mm. at the end of the day, it's, for me, it's like, these are the things that people always do. We get the right person who has the right resume, but we're, we're lacking heart. So one thing that you're going to see that nobody could talk about the heart of what you see at Justice Fund, right? So that's the one thing. We may lack something. Jermaine lacks a lot of technical skills, but I don't lack heart and for what we do for our community, right? So that's the one thing I think that will always beat anybody and outperform in is that we're not here for accolades. We're not here for people to say, oh, what a great job Noah and Jonas and Jermaine are doing. We're here to just make change for the communities and we're trying to do stuff different. We're trying to like, we're trying to disrupt everything 
mm. and we're trying to lead the tables. Like Jonas always says, our conversations that are happening in our community are not happening with people that it should be happening with. And we're mm. making sure those voices are going to get heard. Yo, that, that, that's, man, like, mm. you, you said it right there. And, and that's like the energy that, that I caught from, from, from all of y'all, you know what I mean? I've been, like, really watching the movement. I remember when you y'all had that um, demonstration at, at City Hall and I, and I pulled up and like, you can tell that the heart's in it. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, everything is right. And I, I, I'm like an energy guy, you know what I mean? Like, so when, when the energy's right, I feel the vibe. I'm like, okay, this is something that I, I can I can tap into, you know? So that being said, you know, I'm um, having this passion for like youth and community. You know, I, I want to discuss a bit about like trauma and grief, especially when it comes to like young people. Um, I'm not sure if y'all aware though, but like there was like a recent like shooting in Scarborough at, at David Mary Thompson School, inside the school, 18 year old, you know, was killed, rest in peace, man, God bless his soul and his family. And, uh, you know, the, the other um, individual was, was, was a young person himself too, you know, and there's just so much that is, is going on. So I, I guess like, what are your thoughts on, on just like young people and just, you know, trauma and grief and, and what's happening in the city right now? Yeah, I'm gonna jump in here first, sorry. All right. uh, I'm really fucking annoyed. Sorry, my language. Okay, um, man. It's called for. It's extremely frustrating to see the level of indifference uh, to violence in the city of Toronto, particularly amongst young populations. Uh, this shooting that happened in the school the other day yeah. is another symptom of the public health crisis that is happening in the city of Toronto when it comes to violence. And, you know, you look at it from a year ago, we had uh, multiple shootings and stabbings of young people. Um, we had a mother who was almost, I think, at least eight months pregnant, um, who was shot as well, right? The, the indifference is disgusting. And then you see the energy of everybody over the last 20 feet, 24 to 48 hours, screaming up and down that we need to do something, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about violence in the city of Toronto since 2005, since, you know, the Canadian media dubbed it gun of violence and then moved on. Summer of the gun. Right? Summer of the gun. Yeah. And then they moved on. And then what? And then what? Right? So we talk about trauma. Every kid who's under the age of 18 years old in the city of Toronto knows the second it gets warmer in the city, they know what's about to happen. Mm, mm. Nobody talks about it, but everyone knows what's about to happen. Mm. So trauma is perpetual for young black and indigenous people in the city of Toronto. It's never ending. No, but this, this actually, um, th th yeah, this actually leads into like my, 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 you know, follow up question, which goes into like, you know, like practical ways that the justice fund is creating meaningful op opportunities, you know, like, like we've identified, you know, some, some problems and, you know, like we're not like the, 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 you know, type of people who's just, you know, talking about it and doing the photo ops and whatnot. It's like, what can we actually do? you know, to, to make a difference, to plant that seed, to create opportunities, you know? So um, once you all, um, I guess like Jonas or, or Forty, you know, once you dive in and let us know some of the practical ways that the Justice Fund is creating meaningful opportunities for young people. Yeah, so I mean, like for me, right, my job within the Justice Fund is just to sort of like use my microphone, bring visibility, you know, and, and lend credibility to any sort of like major corporate connections that I can put on the table for us, whether that's funding or opportunity or, 
you know, even something down to our relationship with Tim Hortons and all the work we've done there with the camps. I mean, like, that's like really tangible stuff for us, right? So, uh, the, yeah, the care packages, which are like a sort of like a really important thing for us. I mean, those were a pretty big deal. And we, you know, made a little bit of noise about it. But, you know, in a time of COVID, right, like those laptops and having that access to that technology is incredibly valuable. Most people take for granted uh, the ease of access that their children have to that type of technology that isn't actually uh, a, a staple across this city in education when it needs to be. So, I mean, there's so many gaps that we try and fill in that level. But, you know, speaking for myself personally, right, like I'm just trying to to use my microphone, bring attention, get people on board. And so we can do the right things with this incredible team that we have here. Right. Like that's, that's my place, not to like invent the wheel, but to, to make those connections. Mm. Just to add on, uh, cause he's being very humble. He does way more than that, including <laughs> running workshops and <laughs> teaching the workshops that we do with youth. Right. Uh, uh, it's, it's, one thing if I say something, it's another thing Jermaine says it, right? Uh, but if when you hear it from somebody like Noah who has such visibility and has accomplished so much, it means much more uh, to those communities that we work with. So we did do the camp program where we brought 40 kids from across the city of Toronto to do 12 weeks of uh, camp programming. We handed out 325 care packages, each which is valued at like $1,500. Got a brand new laptops and clothes action toolkits so they could, you know, support their communities. Mm -hmm. um, we've, you know, we've done a few campaigns raising awareness in the city, whether it's the Dear Toronto campaign, which is highlighting, you know, the fact that gun violence has increased over 170% over the last three years, or uh, the campaign that we did uh, to encourage the philanthropic community of Canada to release more money into our communities, right? Uh, for those that don't know, less than one percent of all charitable giving in canada goes to black organizations can, can you say that again man say that again <laughs> for the back. oh yeah you, all right i'm gonna hit you guys with the stats all right yeah so repeat that again in case it doesn't make any sense to you what, what? You heard. The, the stats don't make sense here uh, 0 0.27 percent of every hundred dollars um so 100 uh, 27 cents of each hundred dollars gets donated to black uh, indigenous charities. Um, I think it's 0.7% for black charities for every $100 in Canada. BYU University in Utah, the Mormon church in Utah, raises more money from Canadian foundations than all indigenous groups in Canada can bind get. Wow. Right? Something really is messed up here in the charitable sector. Uh, so, like, releasing more, releasing, like, we did a more money um, to encourage the philanthropic Canada. We have six pillars. You can go on the Justice Fund website to learn more about it. Um, so, we're trying to encourage the philanthropic Canada to release more funds, encourage government to step up and do their part. Um, here in Canada, we have a law where, let's say you have a foundation and um, you have an endowment, and that endowment has, let's say, $10 million, and it raises, it increases a little bit per year you're legally required only to disperse 3.5% of that money. Wow. In Canada. Wow. So the question is like, where's the other, number one, why are we not releasing more of that money? Two, where is that other 97.5% uh, <laughs> invested in, right? And the reality is it's invested in the stock market. So it's invested in oil, it's invested in attraction. It's invested in the same bullshit 
that these charities are trying to accomplish. It makes no sense. You can have an environmental foundation. Now I'm getting hyped. You can have an environmental foundation whose mission is to address climate change. Their right. foundation can invest uh, in the stock market um, for extraction. Oh, yes. How does that make sense? It makes sense. None of, nothing in the charitable sector makes sense. It's a perpetual cycle of stupidity. But I mean, like they're right. getting tax breaks and then don't even have to actually donate more than 3.5 or whatever percent of that money. So, I mean, you know, on our end, that campaign really is just pushing to say like, man, just up that number a little bit and you free up, you know, billions, billions in philanthropic money, right? It's like, and the whole system's obviously flawed as, as Jonas has obviously pointed out, but, you know, trying to exist in it the best we can, I guess, is sort of the name of the game, so. Yeah, and like... No, I'm just trying to understand, like, how they're even getting away with this. Like, like the word charity, you know, like, I mean, we have an assumption of what that means. Yeah. But you all are giving me a whole completely different, like, operation of what's going on, man. Well, I'm laughing because when I first read the deck and campaign from Jonas, I was at Jermaine. I was like, yo, what? Nah, this isn't, this, this can't be right. Like, obviously I'm reading this wrong or this is a mistake or whatever the case is, but like, nah, it's just shockingly true. That's, that's, that's it. Wow. It's just shocking. I don't know what else to really say. And like my biggest, like, all right. So my biggest beef is, yeah, that money's there. That money's already been committed to. Right. Um, and the money we're talking about is over $85 billion wow. cash money, $85 billion. Right. Um, uh, that 85 billion, it's going to be hard to convince people to make changes, whether it's to like give up that money and spend it on communities to solve the issues our generations face right now. What I'm worried about is, you know, a lot of people made a, money, a lot of money over the last two, three years. Mm. Um, mm. Here in Canada, we're about to see the largest wealth transfer from one generation to another. And what happens when people transfer wealth is the majority of people set up charitable institutions or foundations. So my biggest fear is we're about to see a trillion dollars by 2030 get transferred, wow. right? Um, how much of that is going to be reallocated to the charitable sector? And when it gets reallocated, how much of that is actually going to support Black and Indigenous groups, right? There's over $85 billion of charitable assets in this country, and yet we've had intergenerational intergenerational boil water advisories for Indigenous groups. It makes no fucking sense. It doesn't sense. make any sense. It's been mm -hmm. earmarked already to, to do this work, right? So uh -oh. like it's like you can't you can't even add it up. Mm -hmm. like, Eighty five billion, but like wait, wait, that's way too much money. There's no way there's that much. It's like <laughs> I still don't believe any of it to be true. It's crazy. So yeah. like a lot wow. of it's just like holding us holding like we are like we in the philanthropic space too, right? Like we are a part of that ecosystem. So mm -hmm. it's holding those folks accountable. It's me yelling at all the CEOs of community foundations across this country or um, private foundations and telling them, yo, step up your game, right? right? I don't care for your statements of support. I don't care for your black boxes. <laughs> Who gives a shit about, you know, your, your letters of support? Who cares about your letters of concern? I don't care for your $5,000 donation. I don't care for your $25,000 donation. We need to see significant investments. Spend that money. Build affordable housing units. Build food insecurity uh, preventions in these neighborhoods. Build transit. Build more spaces for community centers so kids are not shooting each other in schools. Build more libraries. Build more indigenous spaces. What the hell are we waiting for? The money's there. Mm -hmm. Yo, man. And th 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 this is what I appreciate about the energy of like the Justice Fund. Because like not only do you all like run your, your programs and, you know, 
essentially putting your mouth putting your money where your mouth is like you're also you know advocating and bringing this like you know knowledge you know um to to the forefronts that people just don't even know about you know so so big up to y'all for for that um you know as, as we're going to be wrapping up shortly um you know i kind of want to move to you know the aspect of like healing through like creative expression you know like like i'm curious to know like your perspective like how have you seen that you know um like creative expression, however that looks, you know, and in the context of healing, like what are some things that, that you all have seen? What's funny, like for me, I, I've always like, I've never really all the way understood it, you know, like you, we all understand it at, on some level, like of course it's impactful to express yourself creatively, um, especially in circumstances of trauma or just, you know, getting through life on a day-to-day -day basis can be helpful. But it's, I've had these experiences with people coming to me, telling me that I've changed their life or done this or that. And that's sort of what I mean by the part I've always had a hard yeah. time. I'm like, yeah, okay, like, sure, whatever. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, I made some records. Or like, yeah, it's a, had some crazy impact on you. But I mean, like, the reality is after, you know, 15 years of, of having those conversations with people is that it, music can do that mm -hmm. and it can have that experience. And it is for a lot of us that escape and that growth and that eye opening and whatever the case is. And so creating it also obviously has a similar effect. And so I've, I've subscribed more to that narrative as I've had the personal experiences of, of that specifically throughout my career and how people have been impacted. Mm -hmm. and, and so I've, I've understood that more and more as I've gotten older. And, and I think just, just expressing yourself, creative writing is valuable, right? Mm. Making music is valuable. Singing is valuable. Dancing is valuable. All of these things are, can be the best therapy known to mankind. So it's like, mm. I, I hold immense value in those things. And as I said, I've seen it firsthand. So even if I would be skeptical in the very beginning to, to like, be like, ah, I don't know if I all the way believe you. It's like, I, I'm, I'm approaching from a different place now where, where I see day to day what it does for people. And, and obviously for myself, I take a much greater perspective, mm. which is, and, and I just choose music as my tool to attack that greater perspective. But the greater perspective is a lot of kids growing up in this city and not finding value or worth in themselves or their futures mm -hmm. and for me it's like yo maybe you're gonna get into a studio or in front of that computer or in front of that drum machine and be like oh man i can do this in fact mm -hmm. this sounds cool oh my god hold on i'm inspired wait hold on i have something i need to do tomorrow hold on i've got a priority i've got i've got somewhere i need to spend my energy that isn't mm -hmm. bullshit like i'm suddenly i'm suddenly motivated and i'm that's that's my marker of success that's what i boil mm -hmm. it down to it's that simple for me my tool to sort of like show that value and worth just so happens to be the creation of music, whether it's a technical aspect, the creative aspect, writing, performing, or it's, as I said, technical recording and creating, because for me, it was recording. That was my joy. Like, I just love putting the pieces together for other people around me. I didn't necessarily want to be on the mic myself, right? So that was my sort of expression. And, and, and so mm -hmm. I just, I, that's really my marker of success anyways, is kind of my point, right? I just want to show people 
that look how valuable this can be and how fun it is and and how much of a future there is in so many different ways and so on and so forth so that's that's really what yeah. i do with music but i also obviously yes it's an incredible healing experience on many levels let alone getting into like you know the secrets of like special frequencies yeah. <laughs> that make you feel better or whatever the case is of that type of medicine if you will when it comes to yeah. music no man that's that's extremely powerful and it's really like validating coming from from your from someone like yourself you know who's who's seen the ultimate heights of like success and and sometimes us you know people who are like trying to explain to others they're like yeah well that's cute you know want to get into studio and whatnot and but no like there really is like a um like a lot of like healing properties and then another thing i want to address is like oftentimes when it comes to like recording music young people feel like they got to be in this like elaborate studio to like record stuff and whatnot but like I, I heard that like you know like um, champagne poetry was like recorded on an iPhone like it was is, is, is that true? Yeah. So like okay. So I'm always <laughs> recording stuff on an iPhone just because it's like easier these days and the iPhone sounds great. So I mean like yeah, if I have to like record like an instrument, I might just like use an iPhone for instance. But I think like I don't know. I always tell my uh, my Travis Scott story, which is I remember when I met him at. Uh, wireless fest in london and we'd never met before and he comes up to me he's like oh man 40 you don't understand you changed my life and i'm like oh what are you talking about and he's like oh you did this blog post where you basically said all you need is like a laptop and this program and and uh this mic and a couple plugins and i showed my mom and i was like yo mom i listen all i need is this mic and these plugins and and he convinced his mom to get it for him and he's like well, look what happened look look i'm here i'm here and i was just like whoa that's fucking crazy you know I'm always joking with my manager about like, is that did it actually happen? He's like, no, no, what happened? I was there. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. I'll tell the story. But like, the point is that I've always been preaching that don't let people tell you you need all that fancy shit. When we sign artists, I, I the first conversation I have with them is like, yo, don't get caught up in all this. Like, you need all this nonsense. Like, you don't need any of that stuff. You know, like, all all you need is is whatever you're doing. How'd you get here? How'd you make that song I heard? It sounded great. Let's keep doing that. Like, you know, it's not rocket science in this day and age. You just want to create music. And the Beatles didn't have much to work with back then, you know, and, you know, whoever it is, Marvin Gaye was lying down on the couch with an SM57. So it's like, all right, so grab an SM57 for a hundred bucks and lie on the couch in the living room and track a record and make it great, right? Like there's just, there's a way to do it at all times. And I think, you know, people get caught up and lost in all the big fancy stuff. And like, sure, I'm in a big, beautiful recording facility, but like, yeah, welcome to like my luxury, you know, like that's, I don't drive Ferraris. I, I have a nice recording facility, you know? So, I mean, but at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's a, that's what it is, right? It's not a necessity. It's not the difference maker of whether or not something's going to be good or not, or whatever the case is. All you need is a computer of any kind. I don't care what it is. It can be 15, 20 years old. It'll do the trick. Like you don't need nothing. And if you only had an iPhone, you could do it. And if I was trapped with only an iPhone, I'd make classics all day. Like there's ways to do it. There's software, there's plugins, there's it, it's all doable. So, I mean, that's the name of the game, like figuring out how to work with what you have mm, and being great of, with what's in front of you. That's the name of the game. Being master of your domain. I don't care what you use to make beats. MPC 3000, Ableton, Fruity Loops, Pro Tools, uh, ASR 10. It doesn't matter what you use. EPS 16, who cares? If a Roland SP 202, it doesn't matter. If you, 
a, a, twa a turntable and a record and you're beat juggling and the beat is sick. Like it's all about what your means are and just mm. using those means to create greatness. That's what, to me, the spirit of hip hop is at its core. Like just, you know, you're, you grab the boom box and the speakers and plug them in in the park and, and make it work. Like that's, that's it, like figuring it out. And so, I mean, ultimately that's, that's making music in 2022 for me. All this fancy stuff is cool. None of it's necessary. People right. damn near don't even mix records in this day and age. You just want something to sound cool. If it sounds cool, that, that's it. You that's know, it, I, man. I yo. <laughs> so people who are listening, man, like, yo, you don't need all that fancy stuff right now. I mean, yeah, it's nice, but just use what you have. But that being said, like, you are making some 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 pretty cool stuff. Like, you know, like the the, the mobile studio and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So why don't you um, speak a bit about that, that initiative and then, you know, we'll wrap up and whatnot. So the mobile studio really is just about, like I was telling that story about Mazeric, where it was like, yo, there was, you know, the, that old studio was gone and it got robbed and there was always problems with space. And now the space has been given up to other programming and they can't afford to lose space. And I was so frustrated because I was like, man, that studio was so valuable to so many people. And like, you can't, we can't bring it back. And then similar stories from other community centers and hubs about how they don't have space or they can't really, they can't afford to give up that location and so on and so forth. And I'm like, gosh, there's got to be an answer. And so I'm on tour touring with these flight cases and it hit me like, oh man, these flight cases are the truth. Like I built a studio in this flight case. It's like indestructible. You could use it as a cafeteria table if you want and then like roll it in some empty room and run programming out of it. It's a world-class facility that's like incredible and does a great job of recording. And as to the point we were just making is better than good enough. In, inside of those cases are world-class facilities like that's those cases are next level they rival this room we're sitting in right now wow. and then like yeah you can lock it all up put a padlock on it and chain it to a post in the building and like you can't go nowhere with it so it's sort of like it solves so many of the issues and the way we built it is it's pretty indestructible mm -hmm. and like i've taken mine on tour to hundreds of cities and they come back working and i'm kind of like man if these things are roadworthy they're they're also community center worthy. Mm. And, uh, and and then, you know, they're paired with a lot of other programming and social cool. tools and curriculum that are built into the case. And, and there's, I could go on about what's inside of them uh, endlessly. Um, but ultimately, Beautiful. you know, they're, they're a world-class facility that cut no corners. And I would be more than happy to record, mix, and make music and albums on all day. Like, they're, they're incredible. That's yeah. So it's also about supporting those organizations as well, right? Giving them the supports that they need to ensure that the program can actually be run, um, that it's sustainable, that their staff are taken care of. Um, because it's not about just giving the kids to the organizations, it's supporting them and equipping them with all the resources they need to excel. So it's the curriculum, funding, mm -hmm. other supports, contacts, because uh, we go above the money, right? Clearly. Indeed. So, like, how, how can, like, I guess, like, you know, community organizations, like, get access to these um, mobile studios? So, really, this is the year that, like, we're going to actually roll out the manufacturing of them. And okay. then we're sort of going to have some better understanding of, like, how many we're going to be able to produce on a regular basis. The, the issue I've been running into so far is they're huge, right? When you open <laughs> them up. And so when I'm building them, I'm, like, losing an entire room to work on one, you know? And I'm like, oh, God, like, I need, like, a warehouse and a space. Right, so right. we've finally just gotten the location. And uh, as I've been, you know, 
going through my own health journeys for the last little while. Uh, that's been slowing us down as well. But really and truly, they're, they're going to be rolling out in the next in the next couple of months. And I'm building yeah, up. Well, that's exciting. We'll definitely manufacture them. A lot yeah. of stuff rolling out. Yeah, yeah so much. No, that that's exciting. Well, yo, um, we'll definitely keep posted with that. Um, but just to, to close, I mean, what do you feel are some, like, actionable, like, items? You know, like, we, we discussed, like, quite a bit today. Like, what do you guys see as, like, something that's, like, really, you know, like, urgent right now? You know, actionable items, like, to move forward and just to really keep this energy going, really? Uh, a few things. So on the violence front, uh, call your MP, your MPP, your city councillor. It's time to declare mm. violence in the city of Toronto a public health crisis. Mm. Cut, cut the bullshit. Get it done. Um, that's an actionable item that can be easily done right away. Um, another thing I would say is reach out to those community organizations that you support in your neighborhood, the frontline workers, the, uh, cause this pandemic has been relentless. Um, and wave after wave, those are the folks that are doing a lot of the frontline work, the supports, providing community organizations, um, a lot of the resources they need to thrive during a pandemic. Uh, and they are facing a lot right now. Over 1.2 million people work in the charitable sector in Canada. Um, we're only about 30 million population. It's a lot. Um, so reach out to your local support, support them. Um, and summer's coming. So you know what's going to happen here in the city of Toronto. So let's get to work. Right. Yo, brother Jermaine, man. What are you saying, brother? I know we had some technical issues, but I want to make sure that, you know, you're plugged in still. Oh, I'm, I'm plugged in. I can hear you guys. Okay, Otis cool. is spinning. You're spinning, but I can hear the conversation. And, you know, as long as you guys can hear me, I'm good. But, you know, Jonas is right. It's time to reach out to the MPs. But also, I like to say to if anybody's listening, it's time for our young people of color, our young black people, our young indigenous people to start taking place. I need to see more people going into this political field right now. There's mm -hmm. not enough. There's not. We don't have a lot to choose from. And this old way of choosing just because we got to stop doing that. We got to choose because we know, and we know that this person is going to do what they have, what they said they're going to do. And we believe in them. Um, but I also think like Jonas said, if the summer's here, it's going to come soon. Um, we have to prepare for that, but also there's so much more we can do. So like, yo, reach out to your frontline workers, your frontline staff. I think we need to also show some more love. Um, love has been sitting on the bench for a couple of years lately. And I think that we have to have more understanding and more love. And we need more community. Um, also, Justice Fund has a lot of cool stuff about to happen in a couple months. So please check it out. Um, yeah. Anybody attached to an organization here, look us up. Join our social. Send us an email. Let us know about you. Um, you know, my name is Jermaine, J-E-R-M-Y-N, at justicefund.ca. Let me know about you. Let me know the work you're doing out there. We're all about the grassroots organizations as well. We want to hear the yeah. people. We know that the grassroots are doing the work, but they're not getting the funding. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, so some man. Yo, 40, man, we'll leave you with, with the last words, man. Last words for the people, them. Oh, man, Jermaine just said it perfectly right there. <laughs> like, yo, it's about 
us supporting those grassroots organizations. Like, let us know how can we help? How can we point money and assets in that direction, right? That's where I, that's what I was saying. That's my job. I'm not mm -hmm. here to pretend I have those answers, right? Like, I'm here to, like, reach out, work with community, find the people that are already doing the work, that have been doing the work, that are on the ground, that need the resources, and help point some of those resources in that direction. And so, for me, that's, like, what this is all about. And, like, so I just, like, to reiterate what Jermaine just said, like, I couldn't say it better. Oh, man, 40, you dropping bars, man. You might have to jump on the track sometime, man. Oh, <laughs> man, no, no, no. no. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I told y'all. I'm just, I'm just following my brother Jermaine. That's all I can do right now. It's the passion. Man. The passion's there, bro. I feel it. We got, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So keep it, well, keep track. Make sure everybody, man, y'all check out Justin's Fun. Keep plugged in. A lot of things are happening. You know, tune in to Stolen from Africa. We're always out here doing the do. And yo, I just want to thank y'all for for spending some time. You know, connecting. You know, I know y'all, y'all, y'all busy, man, doing doing what you do. But just to sit here and build. And, and share with the people that has been an honor. And this was like an exclusive special edition of You Good Fam, you know, our community check-in, man. And I'm yes, always, sir. you know, happy to check in with our brothers. No, Logic. What's up, bro? This is special for us. Continue doing what you're doing and giving a platform for the community, especially on, you know, different things out there that people need to know, the knowledge or the tree, and you keep <laughs> feeding us. But also I want you to say this is special for Justice Fund too. This is the first interview all three of us have actually been on. So this oh, is yeah, real talk. Yeah. have all three of us here and you're Word. the first one to have all three of us here. So that means a lot to us too, my brother. So keep doing what you're doing. I love yes, that, sir. man. I, I appreciate it. All right, incredible. All right, man. So yo, on that note, man, we are out, man. That concludes our session, man. And y'all want to stay tuned with, with the You Good Fan, you know, movement. That's every Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on SFA underscore community, man. So we out like that, man. Stay, stay safe. Make sure you keep mental health and self-care a priority. And yo, enjoy the rest of your evening, y'all. And we out, man. Right, peace. Peace, peace. peace.